Hello, and we are back with another episode of A Blessing in Divorce. I am so happy that you're here with me today, and I am looking forward to diving into this topic because we're going to be talking about overwhelm and stress and how to try to beat it. And I'm recording this at a time, or rather this episode will be published at a time when we are looking forward to Thanksgiving uh, in the United States and Christmas and Hanukkah and all these things are coming up in the next few weeks. But even if you are listening to this some other time of the year, this episode, I'm going to be filling it with tips and tricks for things to do when you feel overwhelmed, can't deal with expectations, um, and whatever else is stressing you out not to mention you're in the middle of a divorce probably or possibly and everything just feels like too much this is the episode for you hello and welcome back to another episode of a blessing in divorce i am so grateful to be allowed into your headset and day today my name is elizabeth and i'm the host of this podcast and the owner and founder of the separation club which is the club you never wanted to be part of but the best club to be in if you're going through separation and divorce. Here, we talk about how to heal, move forward, and find love if you're so inclined. Also, motherhood through divorce, finding yourself, and creating the life you deserve. Our tools are community, sisterhood, honesty, vulnerability, spirituality, and coaching, and that's when we aren't talking to our experts. I'm also a divorced mother of four adult sons, remarried, and a stepmom to three, so we will be talking about everything that goes with all of that here. If you are recently separated, thinking of separating, divorcing, or even beyond your divorce, but still feeling it, then this is the podcast for you. Overwhelm. You know, it's one of those words that you just feel overwhelmed listening to me saying overwhelm. Uh, it is a word that is often used to describe how we feel when we're going through a divorce on top of everything else that life has to throw at us. Even without a divorce, we often feel very overwhelmed. And especially this time of year, you know, there are so many expectations. Um, as I said in the very beginning, I'm recording this at the time, well, the week before the American Thanksgiving, the Canadian Thanksgiving is behind us. And we have several other holidays coming up in the next few weeks. So it is a big time of year with a lot of expectations and traditions and family visits and parties and things going on. And if you're working, there could be, you know, year end stuff going on. Um, you might have to start preparing taxes and there's, oh my God, there's so much just talking about it feels overwhelming, right? It is probably the busiest time of the year. And on top of it all, we're supposed to enjoy it, right? We're supposed to feel loving and family-oriented and excited and warm and fuzzy and all of those things, but we don't because we're so freaking overwhelmed, right? Well, let's get into this a bit and let's see if I can help reduce some of this overwhelm. And as I said in the very beginning, even if you are listening to this some other time of the year, everything I'm going to be talking about, all the suggestions are are not holiday related. I want this to be an episode that is useful to you any time of the year, but I thought now was a good time to get it out there so that you have this available to you. So where does overwhelm come from? Well, it comes from having too many expectations on us, too much that we feel like we have to do, or it could even be that we're overwhelmed with emotion. You know, for those of you who are going through separation and divorce as you're listening to this, 
your mind is overwhelmed with emotion and perhaps conflict and decisions that you have to make. Maybe there's all these things you have to do. You have to fill out, you know, financial documents and budgets and you have to figure out where you're going to live and your kids are sad and your ex is sad or your ex is angry or your ex is nice or not nice or whatever. I I get it. It's it's a lot. It's just simply a lot. Oh, you know what? Even just going through that list is getting me stressed. I can only imagine what it's doing to you. So let's just take Oh, a couple of deep breaths and let's just sort of settle into this conversation and let's see if we can reduce some of the overwhelm. And, you know, sometimes when we feel really like it's just too much, maybe that's exactly what you need to do is just to stop and take 10 deep breaths. Just breathe in. Ah. Let's do it one more time together. Breathe in. Okay, I feel better. I hope you do as well. So let's see if we can get through the rest of this episode without saying that word too much. And I'm going to stop making a list of things to be stressed about because I think I've done enough of that for now. I want you, though, to understand where it comes from. And I think you do. You're an intelligent human being and you get it you know why you're overwhelmed and you don't want to feel this way if the thing is when we have that much going on that we feel like we're about to explode for some other some reason or another if suddenly then we become unable to make decisions about anything I know for me because I was uh, forced to make so many huge decisions in the beginning Simple things like, hey, Elizabeth, do you want to go to a movie tonight? That was like an overwhelming decision for me. Um, I found that simple things like reading a book, I couldn't do it. There were all these things I suddenly wasn't able to do. And one of the reasons was I honestly didn't have the toolbox, if you will, that is now available because of podcasts like this or online resources or, you know, all the things that we're starting to learn. And because we can reach out online, we can, we can ask for help and then we can get help, which is a great way to do it, by the way. But I want to go through some of them with you here. If you're at home, you might want to grab a pen and paper. And if you're out, that's okay. You can write this down when you get home. First, be kind and patient with yourself. You know, We feel a lot of compassion when others are going through something difficult or awful in their life. A lot of people compare the loss that we feel during divorce as the loss one might feel during a death. Becoming a divorcee, if you will, or a divorced person can in many ways feel the same as being widowed. There are differences, of course. But the similarities are things like that your home life, changes. You're losing your person that you used to rely on. And so there's a lot of upheaval. The difference, one of the differences is that when one becomes a widow, when there's a death, the community rallies around you. And when there's a divorce, some do, but a lot of people don't. Their reactions can be very different. There is no rush to prepare meals and bring them over. You're still left to handle everything. It is just sort of assumed that you will do so. And I want to help you reduce that load a little bit. So the fact that this is now happening around the time of a holiday as well, 
um, I also want you to focus on reducing the stress that is attached directly to the holiday. I want you to give yourself permission to say to people, I can't handle that right now. Like let's say somebody says, oh, we're going to do a potluck for Christmas brunch. You know, why don't you bring all the kids and three meals, for example. It's okay to say, you know, this year, I can't do it. I can bring one. Or I might go to the store and pick something up, but I can't cook this year. It's just too much for me. It's okay to say that. And every time somebody asks you to do something and it feels like a lot, and you'll know because your body will either go, oh yeah, I can do that. That sounds like fun. Or it'll go, oh no, not one more thing. If your body's saying, oh no, not one more thing, listen and say to this person, I can bring something, but I'll be going to the store or I can't bring something or is there something else you can give me to do because that feels like too much or you know what, that feels like a lot for me, but let me think about what does feel okay and I'll let you know, I'll contribute in some way. Allow yourself to not do. Allow yourself to not be the person who brings the world famous stuffing this year, but maybe instead you take a picture of it and send the recipe off to your mom or your sister or your brother or your friend and you have them make it instead. It's okay. It's okay to not. So that's really the first thing I want to talk to you about today. It is managing those expectations, expectations of others and also the expectations of yourself to show up like nothing's happening, like there's nothing else really, really, really big that's going on in your life. It's okay to say no. And by the way, I will quote one of my clients here, and I know she got it from somewhere, but I'm not sure where. I've heard it many times, actually, and that that is, no is a complete sentence. So if somebody asks you to do something and you just can't do it, then just say, you know what? No, I'm not able to do that this year. You don't have to come up with excuses. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't have to go on and on and you don't have to feel bad and you don't have to lie and say, sure, no problem. Just say, no, I can't. I just don't have the resource for that within myself this year. Like I said to you earlier, you could, for example, say, let me think about it and I'll find some other way to contribute. Or maybe, you know what? I'm really sorry about this year. I'm just not going to be contributing. That's okay. Think about it this way. If somebody else said that to you, a good friend, a family member, your sister, your whoever, somebody says to you, and you can tell they're exhausted even when they say it, that they can't do it, would you be mad at them? Would you would you be forcing them to do something that they're saying to you from the heart, I just can't? No, of course not. I didn't think so. So remember that people around you Unless you tell them you're overwhelmed, unless you tell them that you can't do it, unless you say to them, I'm exhausted, then they don't know. They're busy thinking about themselves and their prep and their expectations and all of the stuff that they have to do. They're just not thinking about it. Tell them. Okay? So that's the holiday portion. So I want to also just address like the day-to-day stuff. Like I said in the beginning, when I went through my divorce, everything felt really heavy and big. Everything felt difficult. 
Now, for me, because, for example, I'm a, I'm a person who likes order in my life, and I felt like my, my whole world had become chaotic. Like, everything was spinning out of control. It felt like somebody had just whipped out this rug, and there was all these balls floating through the air, and I couldn't catch all of them, and everything was just falling to the ground. I felt like somebody else had taken my life from me, and there was nothing for me to control. So there were a few things that I used to do every single day that made me feel good, because I had control over that and it was up to me to do it and nobody could get in the way of it. Uh, One of them was to exercise. I exercised pretty much every day, even if it was just 20 minutes, but I did something every single day. I also did things like I got dressed, like I, I did my hair, I put some makeup on, I got properly dressed every day. It was just something that I did instinctively or intuitively. I just knew I had to do that to take care of myself so that I, it just made me feel good. I, I can't explain it any other way. It just made me feel good. And because I like order in my life, like, I mean, like, I like a tidy house. I like my bed made. I did that every single day. I made my bed still. Like, I just continued the habits that I already had in place. Like, I kept my kitchen tidy. I just, you know, I made the boys pick up after themselves. Like, you know, whatever. If those are things that aren't important to you and never were, then that might not be something that matters to you right now. And that's okay. I'm just talking about that in the point that it was something that mattered to me. And it helped keep my head clear. It helped me uh, feel more calm to have a calm um, space around me. So that brings me to something that I do want to introduce to you as something that you can create for yourself to reduce the stress a little bit and have that quiet, safe space for yourself. When, you know, often when we're going through something like this, you might still be living with your ex or soon to be ex. You might have children in the house. You might have had to move to a family member like your mom and dad's or sister or something. You might just not feel like you have space that's your own yet you know one day this will all be behind you you'll be in a new home a new apartment whatever and you'll be able to create your own space but you might be in an environment where you can't do that quite yet so even just being in your home feels feels like a lot feels stressful and that's after all supposed to be our safe place our sanctuary where we can go and breathe a little deeper right so I spoke with um interior decorator inside our Rising Free membership a couple of years ago, actually. I interviewed her and it's one of the most watched videos in there. It's about creating a sacred space for yourself. This is not about spending a ton of money. This is not about buying furniture. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick a room in the house. So let's say you're still living with your ex. You probably aren't in the same bedroom anymore. So whatever bedroom is yours, even if it's you're sharing with a child, Take a corner, or maybe it's in the living room or the family room or the basement, but find a corner in your home, if not a whole room, but find a corner and put a chair there, a comfy chair, a chair that that you can sink into either by yourself or find yourself a really cozy blanket. They're not expensive if you have to buy one. A lot of them now, you can buy this really plush and, and cozy blankets like for, you know, $20 when you buy this, or, you know, maybe you can find something really just nice for yourself. 
even at Walmart or just something soft and cozy, maybe with a little bit of weight, because there's something about having something heavy on you that really feels good. So you need a, a comfy chair, a blanket, maybe a lamp and a small table, and just create a sacred space for yourself that's yours. And you will tell your kids and whoever else you live with that when I go to my space, I need to be alone. So please don't disturb me there. Like make that an absolute rule. If your kids still come and interrupt, do not reward them by giving them attention. Just simply turn around and say to them, I am asking for quiet time. I'll be with you in 10 minutes. If they're little kids, I know one thing that used to work for me was to tell them what the time would be when I was coming back and then they would know um, and they would actually sit and watch the clock, which made them really quiet, by the way, which really helped. And then I would make sure that I showed back up in the kitchen or whatever when that time showed up. So I would set an alarm. Um, but have this sacred space for yourself. Maybe you turn the chair towards the wall. You're literally looking into the corner or maybe at a window. That would be so much better. And you just, it's a place where you go with a book or a cup of tea or just to sit and close your eyes for 10 minutes. Maybe you go there and meditate. Maybe you journal. Whatever it is, it's your space. It's not for anyone else. And be firm on this. It's okay to say to your kids, I need that space. Just like you have your toys or your stuffy or your, you know, the things that you love to do in your space this is mommy's space and I need that. If you are still living with your ex, make sure you put that in the place where you will be left alone, where you can be respected and you can have that space. Okay. So I really encourage you to create that space for yourself because like I said, you can use this space for so many other things. Maybe you've had a really bad day and the kids aren't home from school yet and you just go inside and you go sit down in your in your sacred space because when you create a space like that for yourself you're creating it out of self-love and self-compassion and and as a way to nurture yourself so even just coming into that space you'll start to feel that love and nurture energy because that was the spirit with which you created it and so as soon as you sit down in that chair with that blanket, you will feel calmer. I'm going to be talking more about some activities that you can do as well to deal with overwhelm and stress. And all of those activities pretty much are perfect for your sacred space. Now, if you, you know, if you are lucky enough to have more of a house to yourself, like a whole bedroom all by yourself because your ex has moved out or he's in a different room or... Um, you have a big enough house where you maybe have an office where you can create a corner like that, that's even better. But no matter what, like I said, this decorator said, even if it means putting a chair facing a corner so that you can shut out the outside world for a few minutes, even that is better than not having a space like that at all. Okay, moving on. The next thing that I would suggest that you do is that you write a list of things that need to be done. So all the things that are buzzing in your head and creating this, this feeling of overwhelm, write a list, right? It can, might be a long list that might have 20 or 30 things on it. That's okay. Don't worry about it. Just write it all down. Cause first of all, getting it out of your head onto a piece of paper helps because at least now you don't have to worry about whether or not you will remember 
right? So whether you're writing it in a journal, writing it on a piece of paper and sticking it on the fridge, or if you're putting it in your phone, it doesn't really matter. I don't know that I recommend it being on the fridge because it's a constant reminder of all the things that you have to do, but put it in a place where it's easy, easily accessible, but not necessarily in view all the time. So when you write this list, then the next problem, of course, becomes that we try to do everything on it in a day. We tell ourselves, okay, I'm going to get all of this knocked off this weekend and then that's it. I have a clear list come Monday. And then you end up doing like two things and you feel like a failure and it's like, oh my God, I didn't get anything done. I'm a horrible person. I don't want any of that for you, okay? <laughs> because the thing with lists is as much as they can create a good feeling, they can create a bad feeling. The, it's, well, I'll talk about that in a moment. But first, let's just get, like do like a dump, just dump all the things you need to do onto that list, wherever it is, and then put it, like I said, accessible, but out of sight. And then here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at that list in the morning, maybe after you've had your coffee, after you've spent time in your sacred space, and pick one thing. You could just pick one thing. Maybe you tell yourself today, I'm going to get one thing done before lunch and one thing after. Or if it's the weekend, I'm going to do one thing in the morning and one thing before dinner. I'm going to do only one thing off this list today. Or I'm going to do nothing off this list today. But the most important is that I want you to set a realistic expectation. So as you pull out your list, for example, in the morning and you say to yourself, okay, I need to get some of this stuff done. Then ask yourself, what is my day looking like? Like, what are my commitments that I already have? What is it that I have to do today that I can't, you know, I have no choice, like go to work or take the kids to some recreational activity, or maybe you have a doctor's appointment. Like, what are the things that are in your day that you know you have to do? And then be realistic. How much time do I have to do something on this list? Well, I have about 30 minutes this morning where I could definitely get something done. Or I have time before whatever, or the end of the day, I have 45 minutes. So I'm going to pick an activity off here that I know takes 30 minutes or 45 minutes, or I'm going to pick an activity that might take hours in total, but I'm going to spend 30 minutes on it. And so you pull an item off the list and you schedule it into your calendar and you say, okay, from 10 to 10.30, I'm going to do this. 10.30, I have to stop. I'll get more done another day. That's it. Make it easy. Make it so that you can be successful. It is much better to pick only one thing and get it done than to pick three things and only get one done. Because when you pick three things to do and tell yourself you're going to get them done and you don't do all of them, you only do one, you end up feeling like a failure. So, here's the thing. Here's why getting these things done matters. First of all, stuff has to get done, right? Second, when we get things done, when we slowly but surely, it doesn't matter how long it takes, but we start checking things off our list, we feel a sense of accomplishment. If we wake up in the morning this is why morning routines work so well. You know, if you have a routine of exercising or meditating or reading or something like that, first thing in the morning, if you stick with your routine and every morning you get up and meditate or every morning you get up and exercise or every morning you get up and journal, then you start your day with success. You committed to doing this thing and you did it. Success. So if you pick one thing on that list and you've told yourself already, I'm only giving 30 minutes to this and you spend 30 minutes on it, that's success. 
instead of saying to yourself, oh yeah, I can get this done, even though you kind of know it's going to take you two hours and you only have 45 minutes to do it, right? So the, the good thing about having lists and and picking things off it to do is that is the sense of accomplishment and success. The bad thing about lists if, is if we overpromise, overcommit to getting things done, then we start feeling like failures and we feel shame and we feel useless and we feel like we can't get anything done, even though we might have actually gotten a lot done that day. It's just that we overpromised ourselves. So don't do that. Please watch for that. I was taught, this is a long time ago from a business coach, was to actually, when you write that list, write down beside it how much time you think it'll take. And then let's say you have activities on there that only take 10 minutes. And then you realize you um, were supposed to have a client call and it got canceled and you have 20 minutes before your next whatever. So it's like, okay, I'm going to pull a 10 minute or 15 minute activity off my list and get it done. Maybe you just have to make a phone call. Maybe you just have to check up on something. Then you can get that done, right? So just make the list, put times next to it if you want to, and then schedule them in. But just it's much better to say, I'm going to get one thing done today and then like realizing I can get two things done than the other. Okay, so I said that. I will also say that on my list today was to record two podcast episodes. That's what's on my list. And you know what? This is the second one. So I'm checking off my list. I set realistic expectations. I didn't put anything else on my list because if I did, I knew that something wouldn't get done. So here we are. I'm having a successful and productive day and I feel good about myself instead of being angry with myself. So as I said in the beginning, there are essentially two ways to deal with overwhelm. And one of them is to get things done. So work on that list. And the other one is to do activities or rather to, yes, engage in certain activities that help to reduce the stress level, to help quiet the mind, to help slow the world down a little bit, to bring us into our bodies, into the present moment, so that we become more aware of what we're feeling and we can slow the runaway train just a little bit. So many of these activities, like I said, can be done in that sacred space that you've created. And I just wanna say quickly that you might be thinking, well, my bed is that space. I recommend that you don't use your bed for that because your bed is for sleeping. And insomnia is one of the many things we go through when we go through divorce. So when we start bringing all kinds of other activities into our bed, then it's no longer a designated sleep space. And it's really important to create that habit of bed is for sleeping, um, whereas the sacred space is for healing and growing and nurturing, right? Okay, so here are some things that you can do to help calm things down for yourself. You can go for a walk or spend time in nature. Both are amazing. Just standing and looking at something beautiful, a view, trees, flowers, water, mountains, whatever. Walking, feeling fresh air, you know, breathing it in, letting it circulate through your body. All of these things feel great. So does a nap. Yes, a nap. Um, You can do that anywhere you want, by the way. (laughs) You can meditate. It can be for five minutes, 10 minutes, or an hour, whatever you need. 
You can just sit in quiet reflection. It's pretty much the same thing. Reflection is a little bit more active in that you're usually thinking about something or reflecting on something. Meditation, you're trying to be as still as possible. And remember that everyone knows how to meditate. You cannot fail at it. You're just sitting in silence, trying to quiet your thoughts. Meditating is the act of quieting your thoughts. So if you're trying, then you're meditating. All right. You can listen to music. It can be something really quiet that you sit and enjoy with your tea under your blanket in your sacred chair. Or it can be something really fun that you dance and shake it all out and dance it away. Yes, for those of you who are just listening and not watching, I was dancing. Okay, sort of. Anyway, <laughs> music is an amazing, an amazing tool to calm down. We all have favorite songs, pump up songs, calm down songs, dreamy songs. We all have special songs. Listen to those. Um, also, if you come into my Facebook group and look up music, like just search the word music or songs, you'll see several posts that literally have dozens of music suggestions that other women have found inspiring or helpful during this difficult time. So you might find that helpful as well. All right, make a nice cup of tea. And when I say make a nice cup of tea, I mean, go and find the nicest mug you have, your favorite. Go and pick a tea that you really like. Take your time as you make it and focus only on that. Make it perfect. Don't rush. Don't be doing something else at the same time. Just it's the it's not just drinking the tea. It is the act of making it and then go and sit somewhere and drink it. Not while you're running around doing other things because then the benefit is not there anymore. Sit down and enjoy your tea. Enjoy the smell. Enjoy the feeling of the warm cup. Enjoy having this tea that you have made for yourself. And like I said, go sit in your sacred space. Look out the window. You can pet your cat or your dog. You can read a story to your kids. You can read for yourself, like read a book. You can phone a friend, have a glass of wine, just snuggle under the blanket. You can listen to an audio book. Any of these activities are calming. They take you off whatever's got you heightened. And they're beneficial in their own way. I didn't put Netflix on this list because Netflix is a diversion. It's an avoidant activity. It's just like putting yourself into some other sphere where, yes, you will forget what's going on. You will come out of the overwhelm a bit, but it doesn't do anything for you. Now, if you are super stressed and you can't shut your brain down or you're crying all the time or you just came off like a horrible conversation with someone or, you know, just really, really heightened, then Netflix is a great thing to do. Just go and watch a comedy or watch something that's going to completely make you just forget and come off a little bit. And then when the episode is over or whatever, then you'll find, you know, you're, you're in a calmer place. But otherwise, make a habit of spending time every single day doing at least one of these activities. You don't have to do it for an hour. I'm not talking about like all the, now I got all these other things to do, Elizabeth. No, 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 not at all. Just do one of them for a few minutes for as much time as you have or as little time as you have, but do one of them at least every single day 
for, I'm going to say at least five minutes. Just, and, and I don't want you sitting and looking at your watch either. I want you to enjoy it. So set an alarm on your phone and try not to scroll on your phone. That's like Netflix. Try to give yourself five or 10 minutes, at least a day where you are doing something that is only for you, that is nurturing and healing. That's it. You deserve that. You need that. And you will feel so much better when you do this on a regular basis. You will start to find additional times in the day to do these things. You'll start closing your office door to do some breathing. You'll start going for walks at lunchtime, maybe again when you get home. You know, you can do what I did and I went and got myself a crazy dog to force myself out for a walk every day. (laughs) There are so many ways that you can add nurturing activities to your day. And these activities will help you heal. They will help you connect with who you are. They will help you feel stronger more solid, less overwhelmed, less stressed. So as I wrap up this episode, I want to ask you a favor. Would you please share this episode? I know just about everyone could benefit from something like this right now, but not only share it, share it maybe in your stories on Instagram and tag me at the separation club. And it's in the show notes as well. Tag me. And I want to know which activity you found the most helpful or which tip you are going to be doing starting right away. Please share. And the thing is, when we do that, other people see it. So now you're also paying it forward. You're doing something for your sisters as well. So I am really looking forward to seeing your posts. I'll be looking for those tags. So make sure you tag me so that I can come back and I can respond to what you're doing. I can give you a high five. Um, And uh, yeah, let's get this ball rolling on your self-care, your self-compassion, your self-love, your self-nurture, and uh, let's start feeling better and let's get through the next six weeks without feeling like we're about to blow off the top of our head, okay? (laughs) And before I jump off completely, I want to also say to you that one of the amazing ways that we can get past and through all this is to give ourselves something to look forward to. You know, when you're in the thick of a a storm, which is kind of what you are, when things feel really heavy and just like a lot, give yourself something to look forward to, like a trip, a weekend away, or better yet, (laughs) one of my retreats. I now run retreats here in my home. Uh, those are weekend retreats, but I also run retreats in Costa Rica and Italy and probably soon in Portugal as well. So I want to invite you to head over to theseparationclub.com slash retreats. And I will put that in the show notes and check out the retreats we have coming up. The very next one is in Costa Rica, like Costa Rica, ladies, it's going to be amazing. And I know that because it was so wonderful last year that almost half of the people that came last year are coming again. That's how wonderful it was. And you know who they are? They're women from the Separation Club. They're women who got to know each other in comments on Facebook, online in the membership, and just, you know, they took my courses, they coached with me, and then we got to meet each other in person in Costa Rica. And I want that for you as well. And I think for a lot of them, even though it was a stretch probably financially and it felt like a stretch even scheduling the time to do something like that, 
the gift of that time for themselves, that, that going away on that trip to meet each other and to take this time to be with other women and to spend that week with me doing meditations, workshops on, you know, mindfulness and healing the, through the chakras and this journey home to ourselves. Oh my God, it was, it was truly life-changing and transformational for every single one of us, me as well. Like I, I came home from Costa Rica, not even knowing how to deal with real life, which doesn't sound like a real endorsement, but it was in the best way. I just felt like I was floating. I had the most incredible week. And every single one of us felt the same way. We were all messaging each other, kind of going, I don't know how to explain Costa Rica. People are asking me, what was your trip like? And all of us agreed that saying something like, it was really fun, just wasn't good enough. It was really beautiful. It just didn't describe it. And I think what we all settled on finally was, it was an experience, an experience that changes your life in the best way. That was the best way we found to describe it. But of course, that doesn't make any sense necessarily to someone who hasn't been. And I want you to have that experience as well. You're going through so much. So give yourself something to look forward to. Give yourself this gift. So Costa Rica is coming up March 2nd to the 9th. We only have three spots left. And then we have Italy in June. Yes, the last week of June, 22nd to 29th, we're going to Italy. And there's quite a few spots left for that one still. We have a lot of people hovering. Um, some of them have booked, some haven't. So now is the time to get in and be able to pick, you know, who you want to stay with or if you're bringing a friend. I mean, grab a few of your girlfriends. This is not a divorce retreat. None of them are. We don't talk about divorce. We talk about ourselves and just healing our heart and and growing as as women and and just stepping into who we want to be and the life we want to have the life we want to create for ourselves that's what i want to do with you we're not going to talk about the past we're not going to be crying unless it's tears of joy and there was a lot of those so you are invited to join us at one of our next rising moon sisters retreats in costa rica or italy and then eventually Portugal is just not on the books yet, but those two are up and I would love for you to join us the separationclub.com slash retreats and link will be in the show notes. Okay. I've talked enough for today. Have the most beautiful day and I will see you next week.